I will say God is good, you say all the time. When I say all the time, you say God is good. Okay, that is simple. Uh, number one, God is good? All the time. Boy, some of you have not had breakfast. God is good? All the time? I've added another line to that statement. God, God is not only good, but God is also great. And if he was not great, he's not good enough. Right? So let's testify the second line. God is great? All the time? Now let's put those two truths together and believe that he is good and great all the time. God is good? All the time? God is great? All the time? Amen. Uh, one of the amazing phenomena of our times is the populations of the world are moving. For the last 50 years, people are moving for good reasons. They're moving for employment. They're moving for education. They're going, moving for business. But people are also moving for sad reasons. Because hundreds of people are being driven out from their places of origin. Because of religious persecution. Because of political oppression. Because of ethnic cleansing. Because of civil wars. Friends, uh, hundreds are also forced out. Because of natural disasters. Like tsunamis and floods and famines. Some are even smuggled out. Friends, people are moving across the continents. They're crossing political borders. They're crossing cultural borders. People are constantly being scattered from their place of origin. This morning, I want to establish uh, a summary to you that God in His marvelous plan is using the scattering of people as a powerful strategy to fulfill His ultimate purpose. Let's see how God has used this strategy over, over the centuries. Uh, first of all, God used a scattering in the Old Testament. Uh, God began by giving a visionary promise to Abraham. It's given in Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go forth from your country, from your relatives, from your father's house, to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. So you shall be a blessing. And I bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And notice that statement. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. What does that mean? In you, all the people groups of the world will be blessed. In you, all the ethnic peoples of the world will be blessed. Now, who is the giver of this visionary promise? The giver of this visionary promise is God, or is the living God. The giver of this visionary promise is the creator of the universe. Friends, the giver of this promise is not a regional God. The giver of this promise is not a tribal God. The giver of this promise is not a seasonal God. The giver of this promise is God who is sovereign and is a global God. Now who is the recipient of this visionary promise? The recipient was Abram. 
Later, he was named Abraham. Friends, we need uh, uh, many, many Christians are surprised when I tell them Abraham was not a Jew. He was some Mesopotamian. He grew up in spiritual pitch black darkness. People around him were worshippers of idols. Joshua 24 tells us he came from a family that worshipped idols. They did not know there was a living God. They did not know that this God was concerned for them. God, Abraham came from a polytheistic family of idol worshippers. Therefore, friends, Abraham was not seeking Jehovah God. But God sought Abraham. And in the spiritual darkness of Babylonia, God spoke to Abraham and Abraham responded. Abraham heard the voice of God. And friends, I want you to know from the very, very beginning, the gospel is a gospel of grace. And the amazing thing about grace is God initiates. God made the move. Abraham didn't seek God. God sought Abraham. But there's another side to grace. God not only initiates and comes seeking. The other side of grace, he gives us the capacity to respond. And Abraham responded to the extension of grace that God showed to Abraham. The gospel from the very beginning was a gospel of grace. Not of works. Nothing can we do. It is a gift from God. Uh, a gift from God. How did God go about blessing all the families of the earth? First by sending Abraham out of Mesopotamia to the promised land. Later God sent the family of Jacob down into Egypt Seven seventy persons went into Egypt, and friends, four hundred years later, uh, four hundred years later, God, under the leadership of Moses, brought them back to the promised land. All seventy persons went in, and one point five million people came out. God told Moses what his intention for his people was. Once back in the promised land, they were to worship God and keep His law. Once you leave, once you come to the promised land, I want you to worship me and keep my law. And if they didn't obey, God warned them of the tragic consequences. One such warning is given to us in Leviticus 26 verse 33. I will scatter you among the nations. The word, that, the word that's used in the Greek subtugent is this. I will diaspora you among the nations. I will scatter you among the nations. We know from Israel's history in the Old Testament what happened. Four things happened. God's people, the Israelites, broke God's law. They worshipped idols. They became exclusive didn't care for people around them. And they forgot to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. So God did what he said he would do. He scattered them. Friends, when God says some things, he comes through. He did exactly what he said he would do. He scattered them. It began 
with the Assyrian deportation in, in, in 722 BC, where the Assyrians uh, ransacked the northern kingdom, ransacked the city of Samaria, and deported thousands of people to other parts of the Assyrian empire. That was the end of the northern kingdom called Israel. Uh, then over a hundred years later, the Babylonians were responsible for the deportation of the Jews from Jerusalem and Judah. And that was the end of the southern kingdom of Judah. In biblical history, we call this involuntary migration as the exile. Friends, this was an unpleasant experience for God's people. They were humiliated. They were defeated. In fact, one third of the Old Testament history is a story of God, uh, of, of, of the story of scattering and gathering of God's people. It was exile and return from exile. We can see the judgment of God in all of this. But friends, we can also see the blessing of God coming out of this. You see, there seems to be always God's blessing that follows God's judgment. God's judgment is not destructive. That seems to be the character of the God of the Bible. God is positive. God's rule and God's reign overrules some of man's absolute foolishness and sin. Our God brings, uh, brings about blessings out of chaos. Our God brings blessings out of defeat. So what were some of the blessings that came out of the exile? The Jews learned new skills from the other nations during the exile. Secondly, they localized their worship because the temple was no more accessible. They localized their worship in synagogues. Thirdly, the Jews became very devoted to the law of God in their pagan environments. And fourthly, they formed an extensive network of Jewish communities through which the gospel could spread later in the New Testament. So we see in the Old Testament, God used the scattering or the diaspora of his people to fulfill his sovereign purposes. Secondly, I want you to see, God used scattering right in the New Testament. God used scattering in the strategy at Pentecost in Acts 2. The scattered Jews, or the diaspora Jews, came to Jerusalem from all over the known world. And they were at least bilingual. They knew their mother tongue, the Jewish language. They also knew the second language that was the local language of their host country where they were living in. When the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost, the diaspora Jews in Jerusalem heard the wonderful works of God in their second language. And God poured out His Spirit and the Galilean believers began to speak in tongues. So the diaspora Jews heard the gospel in their own second language. They trusted Christ, and they were marvelously saved. And the diaspora Jews returned to their respective cities and communities. 
and shared their life-changing experience because of the encounter with the living Christ. After some time, persecution comes into Jerusalem. The account is given to us in Acts uh, Acts chapter 8. The Jewish believers began to scatter. This is what we read in Acts 8 verse 4. Those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Those who were scattered, persecution forced them to leave. And they could have been very negative, but they used the opportunity to preach the word. Friends, I want you to notice the Gentiles were gathered into the kingdom by the scattering of Jewish believers to other regions. So God used scattering in the New Testament church to expand his kingdom. The Jewish Christians scattered so that Gentiles came into the kingdom and they were gathered into the kingdom of God. Again, we see there are blessings in the midst of persecution and pain. Yes, they left their homes. They were forced to leave. But friends, God used it in the scattering of people, but he used that scattering to bring a harvest in. But God not only used the scattering in the Old Testament, and not only in the New Testament, but friends, God has used scattering throughout history. In the, first, in the fifth century, it was the migration of pagan peoples to conquered Christian lands that God caused the gospel to win them to Christ. A wonderful example is the warlike Goths and Visigoths and the Vikings who invaded Christian lands and soon they were converted by the gospel that came by the conquered people to reach those who conquered them. But friends, in the interest of time, we need to move to the later centuries where the European empires began colonization. The gospel followed the European traders and explorers, the Portuguese, the Dutch, the French, the Spanish, the Germans, and finally the English. That paved the way for the, uh, for the expansion and advancement of God's kingdom. My own hometown, Malacca, Malaysia, if you went there, it was established in 1511. It was established in 1400s. In 1511, the Portuguese came and conquered my hometown. Uh, the Portuguese influence is still there. If you go there, you will see the uh, architecture of the Saint, uh, Christ Church and St. Paul's Cathedral. Francis Xavier's influence to the rest of Asia started with the base in Malacca. So friends, uh, right in Malacca we can see the Portuguese came and influenced. Then the Dutch came and took it over from the Portuguese. And the English then traded the Indonesian spice islands for this city. And uh, so you see the expansion of colonization. But friends, history reminds us, because of Western colonization, there was much tragedy in the colonies. 
things that you, you cannot erase, things that you cannot forget. But as Christians, we can rejoice that God used colonization for the expansion of his kingdom. So, uh, so Malaysia, the, the, the Christian, the message came to Malaysia because of colonization. It went to Indonesia and Thailand. Uh, it went on to Hong Kong and Taiwan. So what's happening today? The last 50 years, people have been moving in such huge numbers. The last 50 years, they're moving at faster rates than ever before. The last 50 years, they're going off to far-off places. The numbers of people on the move are staggering. The rate at which they are, move, they are moving is escalating. The United Nations in the latest report tells us that it's two, over 250 million people working and living in countries far from their place of origin. Many of the nations, many of the people groups, many of the ethnic groups want to move to another place. And friends, Canada, U.S., Europe, Australia, New Zealand are destinations of choice. These are places they would love to. That is why there are more and more and more strangers in our communities. That is why some of these newcomers are working uh, with uh, some of you. Some of them are working with you. Some of them are serving you at restaurants. Some of them take you from your home to the airport, uh, uh, airport, or from the airport to home. Friends, uh, uh, Leviticus 19 verse 34 says, "We are to welcome the stranger. We are to welcome the stranger." We are to love the stranger, not just tolerate them. See, the, the non-Christian can just learn to tolerate them. But as believers in Christ, toleration is a low, low standard. We need to love them with agape love. So the question is, uh, as we close this morning, what is the biblical significance of people on the move? I was surprised to read after several years of uh, theological training and in ministry, I was surprised to read these verses in a fresh way in Acts 17, verses 24 to 27. Listen very carefully. Then God who made the world and all things in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to us people life and breath and all things. Listen verse 26. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined the appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. And they would seek God. He perhaps they might uh, grope for him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. One of the things you need to keep in mind, the moving of people is not ultimately in the hands of any government. All migration, all immigration, all emigration is in the hands of a sovereign God.
Why? Because nothing happens without this knowledge of permission. Friends, no family can move, no individual can move without his, his sovereign will and permission. I believe the Spirit of God is at work in these last days in supernatural ways. What is he doing? He is unscrambling the boundaries of the world. He is unscrambling the people groups of the world. He is making them move. Why? Because of one great final harvest. Uh, Final harvest. Friends, God decides where people live. God moves people to different places uh, for a super good reason. And verse 27 of Acts 17 says uh, what that reason is, that they would see God. So why does God move people? His primary fundamental reason is so that they would seek God. In perhaps they might go for him and find him. Why? Because new environments make people curious. New environments make people open their minds. New environments make them uh, question the assumptions that they have held for 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 years. Uh, Let me tell you, when you go to a new place, it's as if you have to relearn a lot of new things. So when I first came to Canada, uh, 46, 47 years ago, I had to relearn many new things. Obviously, to dress right in Saskatchewan uh, uh, in February. Uh, You can't just use a windbreaker uh, and survive. You have to learn. Uh, You have to learn how to survive. You have to have the right boots. But you also learn how to shop. You see, when I was growing up, uh, we did not have the kind of uh, uh, superstores that we have right now. When we went to shop, this is exactly what used to happen. We used to stand on the front, and we could not touch anything. We had to point what we wanted the shopkeeper, the owner of the store, will be on the other side, and he will pick what you want. So you have to go and say, oh, that can't, that can't. Oh, no, no, left, left. The, the, the blue one, the blue one. Yeah, 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 yeah that one, that one. Uh, then he takes one. No, I want two. Then he has to climb up again and pick the two and give it. You see, but when I came here, I couldn't believe you could walk down the aisle. It's like a mall. Are you mall? You can go and touch you can look at it. You can even read every label. You can even kiss it and put it back. <laughs> and you can go to the mall and not buy anything and come out. But when you showed up at a, a stall, You came to buy something, and they touched it, they packed it, and they gave it to you when you gave them the appropriate amount. Friends, when you go to a new environment, you go back to almost zero. You have to rethink all the assumptions. But friends, that's also true. When you go to a new environment, you have the total freedom from the family structures that you grew up in. In your new environment, you are, you are free from the traditions and rituals. 
And friends, I want you to know, just like they have to rethink everything, they have to rethink the assumptions of their, their personal convictions and beliefs. That's why we have a short period of time when people come into this country to share the gospel. In that short period of time, they are re-examining. And that is where we need to give them the option of knowing Christ. So if you study the book of Acts, if you study the book of Acts, more people came to Christ far away from their hometown than in their hometown. Study the book of Acts. You have a great opportunity. Why? That they would seek God if perhaps they might grow for him. So what's the ultimate purpose? What's the ultimate purpose? Ultimate purpose, friends. Yeah, I want to read one more passage of Scripture as we close. Revelation 7, verses 9 to 12. After these things, I looked and behold, a great multitude which no one could count, from every nation and all these peoples and tribes and tongues, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands, and they cry out with a loud voice, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne, around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing, glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might be to our God forever. So what is the ultimate uh, gathering of the nations for the exaltation of the crucified Lamb of God? That is what we are moving towards. This is still prophecy. We still have opportunity to participate, to fulfill this prophecy See, friends, the slain lamp of God rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated in the heavenlies. The slain lamp of God became the enthroned lamp of God. And the slain lamp of God, who is enthroned lamp of God, now becomes the triumphant lamp of God. Friends, God wants you to, you and me to help fulfill this prophecy. God wants us to welcome the stranger. God wants us to welcome the Muslim, the Buddhist, all those who are here. God has now given a new infusion of new immigrants called Syrians who are mostly Muslim. God wants us to pray for these newcomers. God wants us to reach out to the newcomers with agape love and friendship. God wants us to give for the reaching of these people. And that's what the Great Commission is all about. And that's what the heart of this weekend is all about. God wants us to be involved in his mission and with him. The mission of God is global. But friends, the mission of God is also local. That's why the last several years I've used the term the mission of God is global. Simultaneously, I know this church encourages and prays and supports many international workers. And we need to keep doing that. 
but simultaneously, while they are serving in some foreign land, we need to reach out to those God is bringing into our midst. The mission of God is global. Global and local. So let's welcome them. Let's welcome them in Jesus' name. Let's pray for them. Let's befriend them. Let's love them with agape love. And let's love them into the kingdom because I strongly believe they are winnable. Amen? 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 Amen. They are winnable. But we need to do it together. Let's pray. Father, as we close this morning, uh, this message, I pray this message will continue to germinate in our hearts. Help us to have eyes to see, hands to reach out, feet that will go where they are, and embrace them in Jesus' name with the love of God that you have shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. May these mission fields who have come to us become a focus and emphasis so that they would know Christ and made it easier you have made it, they have come to our backyards, they have come into our schools, they have come into our workplaces, they have come into restaurants. Help us to reach out to them. Lord, we do not know everything what to do, but we are going to obey and you are going to teach us much. We are going to reach out and touch them in Jesus' name. We pray this in your powerful name. Amen.